0: Welcome back to the Best Life podcast. Super pumped today. I'm actually by myself. This is Jill and I'm here with a dear friend of mine and as you guys know, you probably heard all about uh, when we listen to have mentioned his name quite a bit on the podcast. Dr. Jade Tita, who also happens to be my ex-husband and the co-founder of Metabolic Effect. So I'm super pumped to have him on because I'm going to ask him some really uncomfortable questions, but this is going to be good. We've had all these conversations before, and I'm also going to ask him about some business stuff. I know that we have a lot of fitness professionals on the line who want to know about how you built Metabolic Effect, what was kind of the trajectory for the company, and kind of what you're up to now. So I know that you are veering more into relationship type stuff, and we'll get into that as well, dating, Etc., and I'm excited to kind of start to talk about that stuff. So, thanks for being on. Jillie, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, just to get us started, tell me a little bit about so, most people know you as the co founder of Metabolic Effects. They know you as a naturopathic physician. And you also have jadetita.com, which is for focused mostly on things like relationships, communication, a lot of personal development stuff, especially for men. Uh, I know a lot of women are interested in the content too. And if you guys have not checked that out, make sure you head over to jadetita.com. We'll make sure we have that in the show notes if you are not familiar with his work. But bring me up to speed. Like, how did you get to this point? Bring me up to be like, how did you get involved in health and fitness? How did you know you wanted to start Start a fitness company?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, for me, it started when I was really young. Jill knows a lot of this, but I remember, and this is just so weird to think about this. I remember being about, I don't know, I must've been in the fourth or fifth grade and I had two older brothers. So we had a bunch of football jerseys from uh, all the kids in our neighborhood that my mom had in a big box. And I remember bringing that to school. And I don't know how my teachers let me get away with this, but I bring this big box of football jerseys to school, hand them out to all the kids and I would run them through calisthenic drills and things like that out on the playground during recess, which is freaking bizarre in a way because uh, later on in my life, I ended up doing basically exactly that. So to think that I was doing that at, you know, fourth, fifth grade, actually it's not even fourth, (laughs) fifth grade. It's like first or second grade. I mean, it's like very young, but anyway, not to draw this out, but just fast forward through... You know, a love of football and sports at a young age, and then a uh, because of that, I got into uh, weight training to be bigger, faster, stronger for football. And then, as a result of that, I got into health and fitness because I wanted to perform better in terms of nutrition. So I started trying to eat better. That led me to a biochem undergrad training, which then led me to go to medical school. And that was a an interesting time for me because I remember I always wanted to kind of go to medical school. My grandfather was a doctor and. During that time, I had been steeped in biochemistry, natural medicines. I also was doing a lot of self help, self development, and a lot of personal training. And for some reason, it hadn't dawned on me that traditional medical school was just drugs, surgery, and drugs and surgery. And (laughs) I was like, I can't believe there's no nutrition uh, and exercise training in medical school. So that was probably one of the first times where I really had to kind of trust myself. And I know you talk about that a lot, where it's like, I had to be like, okay, I'm gonna have to find a different way. There's here. no
0: script for this yet.
1: No script at all. I mean, as a matter of fact, back then I, I decided I was gonna go to a little-known university called Bastier University to train people in alternative and complementary medicine. All the stuff that everyone loves now, like mm-hmm. the paleo diet, the primal diet, uh, you know, gut health, but all this stuff that everyone's talking about now, back then when I started, was considered very taboo and out there. And I remember telling my dad and he's always supportive, but he was just like, Jay, you really don't want to do that. You know? And I said, no, I'm going to do it. And then my older brother said, you know what? I'm going to do that with you. So we went and and did that. And we had no idea at the time that it would turn into this incredible field of uh, alternative complementary medicine. But I also, even after that, I decided pretty quickly that I, there's a principal in naturopathic medicine called docere, which means doctor as teacher. And I really resonated with that strongly. And I also wanted to keep personal training. So very quickly out of school, I decided two things. One, I was going to start a fitness business. And two, I was going to be in clinic, but I was going to do a consulting type clinic, which essentially means you come, you, you come in, you sit down across the table from me. I help you with your healthcare stuff, but you'll have another physician that's managing your family medical cares and sick care. And I wanted to do sort of wellness care. And so those two things uh, turned into a pretty magical time of building two businesses. And eventually I split off and just focused on metabolic effect. My brother took over the clinic and that got me to sort of uh, my understanding now of how to do business and how to orient your, your passions and your purpose into something that could be a career and at first i don't think that would have been apparent to me mm-hmm. and that's actually you know, along the way obviously i met jill um so know.
0: tell me about that like so i obviously i've heard that but tell everyone who's listening you know how you and i met obviously it had to do with fitness i was steeped and i was a full-time fitness professional at the time you had just gotten back to north carolina after medical school started your two businesses the clinic and metabolic effects and i was full-time at wake forest university running their fitness programs and we were just kind of in the same circles
1: yeah well, I always tell this to Jill and I love saying this because you ever, I'm sure you guys have had this, maybe you haven't, but you ever like see somebody from across the room and I think it's, on the one hand, I mean, Jill's just so drop dead gorgeous and there was that, but it was just more like there was an energy about her and I so I noticed her pretty much right away, but it was more, you know, it's funny looking back now, it, yes, you are beautiful and yes, she was so beautiful to me physically, but it was more just a energy and a strength and a way of being in the world that just everyone was paying attention and just the way she was so focused on her clients that she was at the gym we met at the gym saw each other at the gym yeah you were you were very focused on your clients not paying attention to me or anyone else and that was like I was just like this chick's cool as shit like there's something really cool about her and then I was uh developing an outdoor workout and I wanted to bring it into this gym so I had seen Jill but I didn't know she happened to be the coordinator group exercise coordinator of this gym. And then, um, so when I came in, the owner set me up with Jill. And that's when things uh, started. We started working together. And right away, I started really liking her. She was seeing someone at the time, which is really interesting. But I was just sort of confidently detached. And I was just like, this is a chick I definitely need to know. I feel very uh, pulled towards her. She's definitely going to be in my life. But once I found out she was seeing someone, I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to be romantic then. It's just going to be like good buds. And it ended up turning out into being both, which was amazing. And then Jill came on board with Metabog Effect and was instrumental in helping us get in gyms and just helping build a company, so it was a really amazing ride. I mean, I look—it's I it's funny. I look back at that time now, and i was just like, "What a cool time!" <laughs>
0: it was. <laughs> we were. were doings, right? Yeah, we were. I mean, I always kid like I lost like 15 pounds because we were just doing metabolic <laughs> effect like constantly. Because if uh, well,
1: one, I wanted to see you constantly. Two, and you're working out <laughs> constantly. So.
0: I was getting you out of the, like working out at the gym at, like 5 a.m., then like back at night for like more ME workouts, and it was just funny because that was my lifestyle at the time, and you were seeing clients at the clinic, and we were developing the metabolic effect in indoor curriculum because you had never done that and we're putting music to it and we're kind of figuring out what the, how to teach this to other trainers. So maybe some of the people listening are certified in metabolic effects, indoor certification or personal training certification. And so over those years from like 2006 to 2010, 11, we were like in the gym all the time, creating these workouts, traveling to gyms, certifying instructors, really just grinding it out and getting a whole bunch of professionals certified. And it was so fun. I would never do it now because it's just, it does, I mean, it's just not where my passion lies. But at the time it was so, we just had a blast doing it.
1: Yeah. You want know, to know what else? I mean, now that I'm thinking about it too, not only were we doing that, but I was building Metabolic Effect, trying to build a lifestyle company, writing a blog very early on for yeah. Metabolic Effect and you were involved with you know, all these shows, these fitness shows and things like that. So it was multiple grind. And of course we were falling in love and have an amazing life as well. And it was just, that was an amazing, amazing time of just learning and growth and fun.
0: It really was. Yeah. So quick question on, so it obviously moved into, I mean, yes, still like there's the certification arm of the business and then metabolic effects started taking on natural health programs, started creating fat loss programs, all digital courses, And a lot of people listening are maybe personal trainers, group fitness instructors, health coaches who are looking to, a lot of people may be doing MLM. A lot of people are looking to get into the online space. So I know it was such a different landscape back then. Metabolic Effect was blogging from like 2008, 2009. Jill Fit started in 2010, kind of the golden age of blogging. We were able to get away with posting something on Facebook and every single person seeing it. Of course, we know the landscape is not like that now. So if you had to give advice to someone, or even if you were starting over right now as a personal brand, I know you kind of said you are with JTda. dot com, but you are bringing over people from from Metabolic Effects. If you were full time trainer in the gym right now, what would you do first to start to build your online platform, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a really difficult question, but. I'm not so sure that I would do anything that different than what I did before. Here's here's ultimately what it is to me. One, you have to be something different, you know, and, and that's a big issue, because one of the things I did and have always done and I'm a big believer in and actually some people hear me say this and be like, well, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. And actually, it's both. But one thing is I never, ever paid attention to what anyone else was doing. And that helped and hurt. It was a strength. And a weakness, it was a strength because I always had a unique voice. I wasn't out there reading other people's blogs. I was reading real research and then translating that. That was the, the, the difference. And then, so you got to be different. And that made me different, easily made me different. And you have to embrace your uniqueness. You know, I am a big, bald guy. I have a unique look, I'm not a fitness model type. I'm not a pretty boy. I'm bald, linebacker, weird voice, you know, accent. Just you got to own all of that. So that's the unique part. Then you got to solve a problem. You really have to solve a problem. And so to me, a lot of people are not really doing that. And this is where you have to, I think, find yourself. And I would do this now. I would find a small niche in an area that I was passionate about, you know, whether it be fitness for pregnant women, whether it be, you know, rehab for skiers or, you know, something that you really are an expert in and can really solve a problem in. So one be unique two really really solve a problem and then three drop an atomic bomb of content in the places that you feel are your places where you can shine whether that be youtube or facebook or instagram or any of those and i will say one thing about that today that is different i do think now you you still have the ability to be an early adopter or find a niche within a particular social media segment. So, for example, maybe you're going to be the person who and I know a few people were early adopters on this when Facebook went with Facebook Live. They started offering workouts on Facebook Live. I know some people, you know, jumped on early with Twitter. Some people actually last night I was with a group of influencers and they were explaining to me how they're using the new highlight tab on Instagram to, you know, make these unique, you know, follow tabs and unique call to actions using that thing. So these are all early adapters. And so what you have to do is you can't just go, oh my God, Facebook used to be wonderful. Now it's not. You have to go and look at what are the new tools Facebook is coming out with? What are the new tools Twitter is coming out with? What are the new tools that Instagram is coming out with? What are the new social media platforms? They're getting less and less and less and being an early adopter in those particular Uh, places, but you can't be in all places at one time. So I would focus on one thing. And you asked the question, if it was me, I would probably focus on YouTube or something like that at this point. And the reason I would do that is because I, if I shoot a video, I'm big on in business, I'm big on doing one thing and using it multiple ways. So if I shoot a video, I can detach the audio, right? And I can also get a transcript of that. And so there's three different things I can do if I shoot a video. Whereas if I wrote a blog, I can't really get an audio of that, and I can't really get a video of that. So I would probably start at a place, for me anyway, what kind of content can I put up that I can use in multiple ways so I only have to do it once. So just to repeat really quickly, be yourself, own yourself, be unique, don't be a copycat. And number two, solve a real problem and start there. Number three, I would really be trying to figure out a niche and a be an early adopter in Whatever Facebook is going to do that's new, Instagram that's going to do that's new. That's one of the things I love about you, Jill, and, and what you're doing with your, with your training programs because you are, Jill, I go to Jill now and say, Jill, what's new? And she'll school me on what's new, which is really interesting now that I get to do that because I was doing that for her in the beginning and now I get to come back to her and say, hey, what do I do that's new? And then, you know, I think use uh, one moda- moda- modality, one social media modality sink your teeth into that. And for me, I would choose one that I can get multiple content pieces out of doing one thing.
0: Right. Love that. And I love that you said to be early and to instead of, and you kind of touched upon this a little bit where you're like, we can sit around being like, oh, and like cry about Facebook not being the same as it used to be. Or we can be like, okay, there's a puzzle here that we get to solve. And that's kind of fun because everyone's in the same boat. You know, Metabolic Effect has 100 you know 100,000 something fans on Facebook, not getting as much ga- engagement getting the same amount of engagement as someone who has like 20,000 fans, right? So everyone's kind of in the same boat no matter how big or small your platform is on Facebook. All of us are trying to to figure that out. So I think that kind of for the people getting started, it's a nice place to feel like, okay, like, yes, I probably should have started five years ago, but I didn't, I can still start now and there's still gonna be room for me.
1: And, and by the way, one of the things I'll say is just a couple tidbits for people who are new to, you know, the idea that blogging's dead to me is silly. If you go online and you type in something into Google, where do you show up? You typically show up on someone's blog. The thing is that people think it's, blogging is dead because they don't, they don't know how to do SEO. Well, SEO is changing all the time as well. I spent about a two year period of time really figuring out SEO and now metabolic effect. If you type in menopause and weight loss, metabolic effect comes up as one of the top things there, but it's because I was sort of paying attention to what was not being talked about. And there are many different ways to do that. For example, let's just take, I don't know anything about skiing, so I don't know why I'm on skiing. (laughs) Let's say you're someone who does rehab, prehab training for skiers, right? And you, you need to understand how to do SEO because if someone types in something, you know, Achilles tendon injuries for skiers or something like that, they are going to show up in your space. And so from my perspective, the idea is that if blogging, the reason I'm bringing this up is because if blogging and writing is what you love and what you will do, then do it but figure out how all the things that go along with it. Blogging is not blogging. Blogging is not just writing. Blogging is writing, titling, keywording, SEOing, publishing over and over again on all the different platforms, and that's the business. So people, that's the reason why people fail on this stuff because they go, oh, I'm gonna do YouTube. Well, YouTube isn't just doing videos. YouTube is understanding YouTube ads. YouTube is also a search engine. You need to understand SEO for YouTube. You need to understand the whole business of what you're getting into instead of just being like, I'm gonna write a blog and expect people to show up because no, they're not. You need to understand when I write a blog, what actually is the business of blogging it involves writing the blog putting on a call to action putting seo and keywords on that titling it correctly going out and seeing what what is already out there in that sphere and what you can compete with or not compete with that's the blogging world
0: yeah and promotion
1: and promotion and actually i would say that's the that's the biggest thing with content in general for those of you who are out there being like, why is my content? And I I got this from Derek Halpern, who's one of my favorites. And I know Jill's buddies with him and she introduced me to his work, but he says, uh, and I caught onto this early. He goes, why are you publishing instead of promoting? You want to publish one time and then promote like 10 to 20 times. And once I started doing that, so, you know, I would just recirculate the same blogs and especially the ones that hit. Or the same video, if it hit, you'd see that video again next week, and then 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 again next week, and that's that's how I built my business. Instead of being like, Oh, that was a great blog, no one liked it, therefore I'll just write another one. No, you right. publish it again and again and again and again and again. I've even done things in blogging where I would rename the articles.
0: Yeah, I change the photos. Change all that the photos, of yep.
1: rename the articles, send out the same article to places like Testosterone Nation, you know, who would, would republish it and is so and you could think about that with YouTube, Instagram, and all of them. I would say the hardest one, actually, I know it's where everyone is right now, but I, I found it most difficult to get traction through Instagram. I happen to like Instagram, though, because it's just a place where I can put up my musings, basically. It's a lot for me, and that's what keeps me doing it. So certain things, certain social media platforms are going to be for business, and certain are going to just be for you. Instagram happens to just be something I like to do for me, and I also you know think it potentially is going to – you know, maybe there'll be a way to market on it. And it's starting to be, but actually YouTube and Facebook are really the places where I market.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm similar on Instagram, which is kind of a nice seg into, I want to talk about some of your personal stuff and I know everyone's listening wants to know the details. So, I love Instagram and the way that you use it. And I use it in a very similar way, which is to kind of to talk through some of the things that I'm thinking about personally, or some of the things, the conclusions that I'm coming to or the insights that I'm coming to. And, you know, after we posted the second podcast, which is all about the affair and the infidelity in both Danny and I's relationships, we got a lot of people being like, well, Jill, you don't understand. I could never be friends with my ex or, you know, actually a lot of people say they're really mad at you. So, and and I totally understand why, even though I feel like I didn't really throw you under the bus, you know, no one really knows what goes on behind closed doors. So, you know, I want to talk to you about your experience. I know that your experience is different than mine, you know, shared experience, but we have different lessons, different stories, different things that we pulled out of that. So just like set the landscape for us. You're in your thirties, you're grinding hard in your business. You and I are, you know, we're spending a lot of time together. We're working in the business together we're loving every second of it, by the way. But what happens at that point? Yep. How does an affair start?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be very honest with everyone, because I think it's important. And it's funny, because a couple of years ago, I really wanted to be talking about this a lot. I don't think you were ready. Jill was ready. Quite. I wasn't ready. She wasn't ready quite at that point. And I'm excited now because I don't want, I've kind of had a, I don't know, you know, it's like in religion, they talk about being born again or something. I've kind of had a rebirth as a result of this, we're sort of a refocusing. And I love talking about it. So, you know, for the guys and girls listening, I'm just gonna be very-
0: I'm gonna interject real quick. Cause I know that you obviously you're a teacher at heart. Mm-hmm. So you, you you always have the lessons, you have the insights, you have the teachable bullet list, but just be super vulnerable with us. Like Like, just tell the story, tell the story without trying to coach yourself up on it, without trying to like coach us up on it. Just if you feel comfortable, just be as honest as you possibly can without, you know, qualifications and all that kind of and considerations and things like that. So Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Sure. So um, okay. we'll get to that because I want to yeah. talk about that too.
1: So we, all right. So I'm, what is it? Probably 36, 37. I mean, I don't know. It was like around 2010. So to set the stage for you guys, I'm grinding, I'm working, Jill's working, she's grinding. We are, I, we are like 24, uh, seven with each other constantly. I mean- Constantly with each other and when I say constantly with is we travel together. We stayed home and work together We went out and eat together. We worked out together I mean, you know other than working out actually is probably we you know That's the only thing we probably have for ourselves and so and part of it was great and part of it wasn't for me and so you can imagine in hindsight now with perspective That was the part that I think I was not being clear and I don't even think I was I was able to understand how much I needed more time uh, to myself. And by the way, not more time to pick up women, (laughs) uh, just more time for me. Okay. So that's what's going on. And at the same time, Jill is hitting, you know, she's eight years younger than me. So she's sort of kind of uh, hitting her stride with some of the things that require her to be, you know, Jill will have to forgive me here. She, you know, but require her to be very self-centered, my perspective. Right. So, What I'm seeing is Jill being 100% body focused and really enjoying all the attention she's getting from, you know, being in these shows and all that kind of stuff. Now, I did that kind of stuff, sort of dabbled in it and had friends who were very much in that world. And that was kind of off-putting to me. So now I have this thing where we're together 24-7. I also have this thing where it begins to creep in, where I'm feeling like Jill is engaged in something that uh, is a little bit off-putting and a little bit just, I don't know, self-centered to me, right? And feeling maybe a little bit neglected. Although, to be clear, and this is what's really hard, because I know some of you listening to this are being like, oh, I'm looking for a sign of how I may be able to catch my significant other slipping away. I don't know that I was aware of it. So even if Jill had asked me at the time, I'm not so sure I would have been like, yes, this is what's going on with me. So that's what's happening. And There was a woman who I knew before Jill who was somebody who always sort of had me. And now let me explain what I mean by had me. Not had me in a romantic sense, but had me in a sense of like very much like Jill had me actually. Like this was a woman who the first time I saw her, I was immediate friends with her, felt an immediate connection to her. And it wasn't even necessarily uh, a, you know, like she's beautiful or whatever, similar to Jill. And so I had these this thing happening and. This particular woman and I, she has someone in her family, something happens to them. And I'm not going to get in big details about her because I want to just protect her. So we and me and her ended up getting really close and uh, started to spend more time together in what we would consider probably both of us a sort of very innocent way. You know, nothing like there's no hidden agenda there. And, you know, this this is probably where people are going to be like, okay, I want to go back because then I want to kind of be like fast forward. And next thing I know, I'm having feelings for this this woman and she's having feelings for me. And in hindsight, here's uh, here's what I think was the problem. I thought that I could manage this. Jill knows this about me because we've talked about it like forever now after I went through this, really trying to debrief on what happened. But. I like the idea of not just the relationships with people, but special relationships with people. And so I kind of liked the idea that now me and this woman were had something more than just close friends. right? And so I kind of liked that idea, which I think is why I let it go further. Because I think if it happened to me now, in hindsight, I would have just been like, I'm married. This is inappropriate. We can't do this, right? I think that's, like I think you have to have that firm boundary. So what I would say is to people who are finding themselves, because one of the things is you might think, oh my God, Jade and Jill, this could never happen to me, or this isn't going on. Trust me, it can. So maybe you can learn something from this, but I think you just have to be very clear with very clear boundaries. And I wasn't. And what happened with me, as crazy as it sounds even to me now uh, I was basically found myself in love with two people. And I think when, you, when this first starts, you literally think you can manage it somehow. But
0: for me... Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. And then I want to get back to this because it's so good. Like, you say that, like, you didn't have a boundary, so that's why you allowed it to go further. But isn't there a piece of you that, like, just doesn't want to have to talk to me about it or doesn't like, it's like, okay, yes. Like it's, it's sounding very, in my mind, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's sounding very like, I don't know. It's sounding very like, uh, I don't want to say not altruistic, isn't the word, but it's like, oh, it's just like this thing that like blossomed out of nowhere. And like, I had to go down this road. I mean, like, were there specific choices where like choice points where it was like, okay, were you evaluated? Like, okay, if I brought this to Jill, I know I'd lose her. So, you know, I don't want to even bring it up with her because, or was that not even part of the conversation in your head? Or did you even have a conversation in your head? To be honest. Because I I'm, feel like, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying, because I feel like if it were me, I would be like, I want it. I just, I just want it. I want what I want. And I also want what I want over here. Yeah, I want to have my cake and eat it too, kind of a thing.
1: Uh, there's no doubt that there, I think there's a piece of that. And it's going to be frustrating for anyone listening to this to kind of, because look, we, here's the, here's the thing about this. And this is, I guess where I'll, you know, I have to kind of coach a little bit or be in a position where I'm like just help people along here because we want it wrapped up in a nice box like that. We want it to be like, Oh, this is just a guy who wants his cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know what? There's certainly part of that. Or, Oh, this is just a guy who, you know, was all about his freedom and just wanted to be, you know, yes, there's a piece of that, but it is way more uh, multifaceted than that. And so let me just, I'll try to give you guys the multifaceted aspects of this one I'm a dude who, from the time I'm little, is a little bit of a renegade and a rule breaker and all that kind of stuff, okay? Two, I am 24-7 with Jill. Three, I am feeling, like, uh, disconnected from my wife because she's involved in, you know, what she's involved in. And there were certain things that happened that are not an excuse, but things that were deeply wounding to me that I probably should have talked about or been aware of that I was not at the time. I felt, you know... eh, uh, next yes there's this idea of oh here 's this other woman I can explore, and I want you know I can have my cake and eat it too and and probably five other circumstances that are going on and with all these circumstances, essentially you you get yourself in uh, sort of too deep, and where I was is I was kind of like in this place where I was like uh, trying to manage this, but here 's the embarrassing part for me and why I kind of had to wake up and take a hard look at myself because the truth of the matter is is I really didn't i kind of um, and this is this is the absolute truth, and it just is uh, it just bizarre to me. But I literally it was sort of like waking up out of a dream and being like, "Oh shit, I'm here," you're like in in a sense. And actually, I think that began to happen right before Jill sort of found out something was going on with me and this particular woman. I sort of was like, "What? Okay, you're in way too deep now." And at that point, you're sort of trying to backpedal, slow down, but you're in this weird thing where you're like. I love my wife. I don't want to lose her. I love this other person. I want to try to figure this out. How am I going to manage this? And I think for me, I probably always, I thought there would just be a a clean sort of way to fix this. My ideal situation probably would have been at that time early on is for me and her to stop seeing each other for her to go back with her what, her husband, me to go back with my wife, and everyone lives happily ever after. I think right? that's what everyone
0: thinks yeah, is gonna that's happen. What, that's what
1: everyone thinks is gonna happen, and um, and they
0: don't take into account feelings.
1: They, and they and well, they, and here's the other thing that they don't take into account is that in the end, what the hell are you doing, Jade? Like in the end, that's what happened. And by the way, I'm not that damn wise of a person to have waken up. The only reason I woke up is because really even Jill finding out because Jill found out something was going on with me and this woman sort of early in the process. But the real thing that made me wake up was the fact that here I am waking up to a situation where this particular person, and I'm not going to get into details again. And by the way, just so you guys know my personality, and this has been incredibly hard for Jill, but I've we've had this conversation multiple times. I still love this woman, just like I still love Jill. And so Yeah, people are going to be mad and people are going to say what they want. But this is just about being honest. I'm just telling you the honest truth. I am in love with this woman still. I'm in love with Jill still. And Jill knows this. And this is just just how it is. It's kind of how uh, I am built. But now imagine, right, regardless of what you think about, just for completeness of the story, imagine that the person, this other person, then betrays you in a sense. So you're betraying your wife. I'm betraying my wife. She's portraying her husband. Now she's portraying me and her husband with a third guy, right? <laughs> and you know, we can laugh at this and be like, "What an awful person!" I can tell you. guys.
0: No, I'm not. Like, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying the irony of the of the situation. Oh, yeah. I know you're not. I know you're
1: not. Oh, yeah. I know no, I'm laughing probably at probably like, like, like just yeah well, the, you, the, you the the fact that you're this. I know you. By yeah. the way, just so you guys know, let me say something that's amazing about Jill. Actually, one of the things I I think all of you know how amazing she is, but let me let me just say this, and I don't know if I've ever truly acknowledged you in this way. I think I have, but. It'll be nice to do it in a public forum like this is that Jill. This is how amazing Jill is. And I think even just shocked me because at the time, you have to remember, I I always saw Jill as sort of like, I mean, sort of silly, but almost like my wife and a daughter in a sense. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's like we because, you know, she was just I was mentoring her and whatever. But at this time, I think this is the shift when she really started to mentor me as well. She not only did she hold it down for me as a man to basically be like you know what? I love you. These things are not easy. I'm going to hold it down for you. But she held it down for this woman. Now, I don't know if you did that because you loved me and you knew it would hurt me if she was hurt, or you just held it down because you were like, it's the right fucking thing to do. But imagine this, right? So now imagine Jill being, you know, Jill easily could have been, if she was in victim mode or anything like that, could have blown up this other person's world. She, not only did she not, but she protected her. And, you know, I think it was hurtful for her because I, I think I asked you to protect her, you know, to to a degree, but I think Jill would have anyway and inspired me to kind of be like, I cannot believe this woman not only has my back, but has the back of the woman who, you know, obviously she can't fucking stand, which is one of the most amazing feats of being next level or emotional intelligence or just that I've ever seen.
0: Now, I have to ask you a question. I appreciate that. Yes, you have told me that before. And the reason why was because, I mean, it's because I loved you still. I mean, and I think that's the confusing part is when you hear about, you know, infidelity, you know, a lot of people just assume like you get up and leave, like, but I didn't want to. We talked about this in, other, in the other episode of the podcast, like we still loved each other. We still had a life together. And we did. We always been best friends. It wasn't like it was moment to moment terrible. It's like, it was actually really good on the whole. But I have to ask you a question because my sensitivity around when you're telling the story, I'm thinking about it from the perspective of, yes, like, you know, I always tried to act with as much integrity as I could, not for you necessarily, but for me. Like I need to like maintain a level of self-respect. I have had moments where I asked myself, Am I a doormat? Was I a doormat? Do you see me that in that way at all throughout this process?
1: No, not at all. As a matter of fact, So I think
0: not- a lot of people might think, oh, you know, if Jill's like, you know, in this position where she's having this conversation, she be able to have this conversation with her ex. Does it mean I don't have respect for myself because we can talk about this? From my
1: perspective, as a matter of fact, I'll share something that's embarrassing. This is kind of embarrassing for me, and maybe something I've never even completely shared with you, Jill. But just for you know, just because I think I think this is the most I've been wanting to have this conversation in this public forum for a very long time for just the teaching aspect. And I would say that I probably had I always have loved and respected Jill, but during that time prior to that, I think because From my perspective, I found her at that time. She was just very body focused, very physically focused. I think at that time, I was starting to lose some respect for Jill because I started to see you as just someone who cared, you know, about nothing other than just do I look good? How do I look? You know, what's my body look like? Am I pretty? Am I not pretty? And I think the way that you handled this uh, made you know. So not only do I not think you're a doormat, it made me go, "Holy shit! It's the most amazing woman. How come I didn't see this aspect of her from the get go? You know what I mean? Like, how come i I didn't see this? So it, it made me deeply respect you, and actually made me want to begin learning from you, which was was a pivotal moment for me where I was just like, I realized that was another thing I realized. I was like, you you have you know. I have, uh, you know, I seen Jill as being, you know, eight years younger than me and there was nothing I could learn from her. And all of a sudden I'm just like, wow, she's got things figured out that I am just not even, I'm just now become, beginning to become aware of. And so, yeah, I would never, I never once saw you that way. In fact, my respect for you, which I've always had respect for you. So I never, but it went up and mm-hmm. I, I never saw you that way. And look, I'm going to tell you this right now, and this is something that everyone listening, I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to be like, this guy's an asshole or whatever, or he's, but I'm going to, I'll just tell you my belief about this. And you guys, I know there are people out there who are like, you know, for whatever, because of your beliefs that relationships and this kind of stuff are the most sacred thing. And, you know, the Jerry Maguire syndrome of you complete me and this, 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 and this, I have always seen relationships as Something that you grow, that they grow you, that they're meant to be that. And I have, and this has been one of the biggest growth experiences of my life. And so the idea that our relationship was not a success is ludicrous to me. And I just adamantly disagree with anyone who sees it that way. I just look at it like I am such a better person as a result of going through what I went through with Jill and this other woman and these experiences that I am more able to love. More able to share, more able to be in this space with Jill or with anybody. And I think I think it's very, very important that, you know, relationships can't be built off of fear and just like, oh my God, I gotta hold it all together. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drop all the dishes and Mm -hmm. have them shatter. And I don't I want, you know, it's this perfect little world. And people get into relationships in my mind because We are, as humans, we are inherently fearful. And wouldn't it be nice to believe that we can just have one person the rest of our life that's going to hold it down for us? That just feels great, right? And honestly, it's not like that for everyone. And I'd rather- It's not
0: like that for everyone, yeah.
1: It's not like that for everyone. And I would even say that even if, I would would say, now again, people are going to, I would say it is a huge mistake in my, from my point of view, to expect someone else to complete me. Yeah. or to complete you. If you're, if you're expecting your significant other to complete you, I think whether the relationship works or not, it's already not working. Now, you might, you know, people will have their opinions about that. I think
0: most that? people are on board with that. I think a lot. we talked about that. We talked about the lessons about how, you know, you need to have something of your own and stuff like that. I think most people would agree with that.
1: But let me let me say this too, though. So just so people are clear. And, and I know Jill knows about me because I don't want people to also get this twisted because what we'll do is we'll fill in stories and be like, oh, well, Jade's just a polyamorous, you know, he just wants to, he's not a monogamous guy. I actually am a monogamous person. I've never cheated on anyone except my wife. (laughs) Interestingly enough, uh, it's not something I want. Even today, I I am a one woman kind of guy. I don't like or like managing, you know, like we're dating, Jill and I are both dating now. The idea that I'm going to manage sleeping and managing romantic relationships with multiple people is off-putting to me, nor do I want a woman who's into multiple people. I like one woman, one man relationships. And so I just think the only reason I bring that up is because I think people project all these stories onto why things happen and Jade's this way or this is this. is this. I just want to give you the full story so you can make, make the truth out of it what you will.
0: So, yeah, and we'll talk. I, I do want to get into like maybe what's your MO now in a, in a second, but I want to backtrack a little bit to some of the emotions you referenced kind of waking up I think, and I had said this in another episode, that I felt like we were all kind of a little bit asleep. Like, I feel like I was asleep. You were asleep. I feel like your lover was asleep. Like, we we all kind of, like, woke up, and we were like, oh, shit. It was like an oh, shit moment of, like. And so in that moment, like, what were your feelings about things? What were your feelings about this other person? What were your feelings towards me? What were the things towards your, even maybe feelings towards yourself at that time?
1: (sighs) Wow. Um, Deep, deep. Uh, deep, deep hurt, sadness. Um, like even now, I'm like just feeling those feelings. Uh, let me see if I could put it to you guys this way. Imagine you, the, the love of your life, Jill, uh, and you wake up to the fact that I, I called this woman my best friend, yet I pretty much just completely lied to her and betrayed her. That is, when you wake up to that, like some people just be like, Uh, it's because she did this or she did that like we'll justify it I literally just woke up being like no there was no reason for this you just are you know I hate to say it but you're just not a good guy at that time like you know I I was good in certain ways but in that way I just was not strong enough good enough whatever so waking up to that and just looking at yourself in a and being embarrassed and guilt-ridden and shameful not to mention that right but I also realized Very clearly. And this is so this is uh, I also realized I failed this other person who I loved and continued to fail her for many years after because I kept wanting answers to questions about what was going on with her. And, you know, all of these things trying to, you know, um, fix it. What I really wanted was uh, us to have a, you know, to or what I thought I wanted was for us, me, Jill, this other person that I could have my love with Jill and my love with this other woman, not my love romantically, like sexually, like I'm having sex with both and I'm going to you know, go off and be a, a Mormon or whatever and have two wives. I just mean I wanted to stay true to the love of what we shared. And I think Jill and I were able to do that through many, many conversations. And this other person, you know, waking up to the fact that not only was I not great to her in the actual relationship, so I have regrets about just not being as good of, as I could have been once I was in there. Because if you're in there, just, you know, love them, you know, and because I was just not in my right state. But then after, I also wish I took much better care of her. So I think it's just waking up and basically being embarrassed, being shameful, be feeling guilt, and then realizing that, damn, you really were not a great dude to either one of these people who you say you love or said you loved and I got to do something different you might be great in business you might be great in this realm you might you may be great in relationships I mean I'm a I'm a you know I am fun and have lots of different things about me that are wonderful but I certainly failed here so I woke up and just simply was like and by the way just so you guys know because I want to make this clear because I didn't I, I didn't wake up like some noble person just like oh my god I figured it out no I was forced into it like a coward and this is this is why yeah, I always tell Jill this. I'm like, I feel like a coward because the only reason I woke up is because I, when I found out I was being betrayed. Now, imagine when you're in a betrayal sandwich and you start to feel what Jill feels like, right? And you're just like, this is the worst feeling ever and I'm doing this to my best friend. And then I was just like, this cannot be the way you live your life. And so for me, it was the best thing, one of the best things, one of the most painful things, one of the best things that has literally ever happened to me because it made me be someone who is so honest so you know like there's nothing jill could hear she knows everything there's nothing i wouldn't say i no longer gossip i no longer betrayal would be uh, i would rather stab myself in the eye or you know commit harry carry or something before i betrayed somebody i'm just a different person i don't think i could have gotten there without that wake up you know so what
0: was your biggest lesson
1: my, my biggest lesson is that, and I would say this for everybody, and, I, and this is the work that I do now. So if you want to know my biggest lesson, you can kind of take a close look at my next level human work. My biggest lesson was that the, the and this is a very, very old concept, so you'll have to forgive me because some of you guys are going to be like, what, this is the big lesson? The big lesson is that your honor and your word is everything. Like that, you, that honor is everything. That ultimately what you say you stand for, you cannot, like, I don't care. I'm not attached to you. If you're someone who, like, is polyamorous, fine. If you're someone who's monogamous, fine. If you're someone who's religious, great. If you're someone who's not religious, great. But decide who you are, what you stand for in life, and go and be that. And do not do battle against yourself. Do battle for yourself. So from my perspective, the biggest lesson was I didn't define clearly what I stood for. You know, like, I, honesty was a, a convenience thing for me. Back then, it was just like, ah, I'll be honest, uh, you know, when it suits me, and I'll be dishonest when it doesn't. And by the way, I, if you would ask me back then, are you an honest person? I would have been like, yes. I'm or and most honest. people
0: think that. Yeah, they I was
1: like, I, I'm very honest. Yet people would ask me certain things, or I wouldn't give them, you know, my true feelings. I would placate. I would do little white lies. I would not have the difficult conversations. I would. And now that it's none of those things, I'll have difficult conversations with you. Now, if I'm feeling a thing, I'll just come out and say it. And I would say that the biggest thing that I did is I wrote down all, you know, this was something that I teach now, but it's something I kind of did spontaneously one day. Cause I was sort of in this place where I'm like, dude, who are you? I and mean, who, you know, who are you basically? And what are you doing? And why are you in so much pain? And it was like, Jill didn't cause you to pain. This other woman didn't cause you to pain. You created this. So how do you get out? Well, you get out by deciding who you want to be in the world. I wrote down my, an honor code. If you want to read it, you can go to jt.com. I have that there. And I wrote down a code of conduct by which I would begin to live my life. And of course, it took me from the time writing that down, it took me a long time to even get close to living it. You know, so now I'm like, I don't know, maybe 80, 90% of the time I'm living it, but I still have, you know, periods of time where I can't, you know, I'm still in my base level self. But the biggest lesson would be You have to decide why you are here. Like, what's the bigger reason? Not just, it's not about you. It's not 100% about you. It's about helping other people. It's about being true to yourself. It's about putting down the things that, you know, for example, kindness, honesty, generosity. Not just like, oh, I'm honest. I mean, like, no, like, really fucking honest. Like, if it's on your honor code and and someone asks you, does my breath stink? You have to be like, (laughs) you know what? If my breath smelled like that, I probably wouldn't like it, so here's a piece of gum. You know what I mean? You do it in a kind way. But you just don't, if honesty is part of your honor code, you you go to work being honest. And so
0: I think maybe a lot of people and maybe and I'll ask you this question. I think maybe a lot of people are not, and we've talked about this extensively on the podcast already, but I think maybe a lot of people are not honest for the reasons why maybe you and I used to not be honest because we felt like maybe it did cross into cruelty. I feel like honesty is a service because it's inclusive. I know my biggest sensitivity around the affair, and I think maybe the biggest sensitivity around like your betrayal with the other person was around not being included. It feels awful. So when you think about honesty, to me that's just inclusion. Here are all the facts, as well as I know them, as you know, as I can communicate them in this moment. And you're giving that person the opportunity to do what they're going to do as a result of having all the information, and that feels really good, even though it can hit people between the eyes sometimes.
1: Well, I mean, look, there's 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 certain ways to manage honesty. You know, you, you,
0: Yeah, how? Like so if you're if someone's like, "Okay, I need to have a I've seen this over and over again with clients. I need to have an honest conversation with my mom, or I need to have an honest conversation with my child, or my sibling, or my coworker, or my boss, or my romantic partner, or whoever. I don't even know how to we don't communicate on that level." So for me to be like, "Hey, I want to talk to you about something." Like they a lot of people can't even go into that space. Yeah. So how does someone approach an honest conversation?
1: Well, because, you know, here's what happens. Once you put down honesty as, as your honor code, there's a lot that comes along with honesty. Just like we talked about before. Like, there's a lot that comes along with Facebook or blogging. You need to know SEO. You need to know call to actions. You need to know all that. It's same with honesty. With honesty, you need to, with honesty, you need to understand and have compassion. You also need to have self-awareness. You also need to have the ability to communicate. So because... And you also have to, and by self-awareness, you you have to understand your truth is not the truth. That's one of the hardest things for people to understand. Sorry, but it's not. Your truth is your truth. It's not their truth. Not only that, truth is emerging. It takes time and perspective to understand truth. And so honesty is about self-awareness. Honesty is about you have to have a, a level of compassion and you have to have the ability to communicate. And then you can go and be honest to people. People think honesty is about like, I don't like you, or right. I do like this. No, that's, that's, you know what that is? That's, that's being an emotional scrub. Right. You know, and, you know that's, that's not real honesty. Because here's the thing, to me, if you look at my honor code, the first things that show up are honesty, kindness, and generosity. Things that I always had pieces of, maybe even honesty, pieces of. But those things go together. Mm-hmm. You know. So imagine being honest, kind, and generous and we get into this you know what a lot of people it's not my term but you know a lot of people in psychology research they'll talk about the fool's dilemma and the fool's dilemma is i can't speak my truth and not hurt someone else's feelings that's a that's bullshit that's that's just the story you're telling yourself yes you can speak your truth and serve someone else in fact mm-hmm. you owe it to someone totally. and that's what i came to i owed it to jill as my best friend and i don't know if it, jill remembers this night but i'll tell you guys like Literally, I found myself doing some of the weirdest things as I was going through <laughs> this. You know? uh, I'll, I'll just clear you guys in because it's, it's embarrassing as shit. But I mean, I, I believe in just being straight up about this stuff. So I found myself, this girl was seeing this other dude, right? So I saw him basically, I was driving down past the gym, which I found myself, her gym or whatever, that, which I found myself passing far too often. And he pulled out and I followed him, right? And so I'm in the middle of following him and I'm just like, what in the literal, f- what, what is going on, bro? And I literally turned around and parked in a parking lot till like late at night. I came home, Jill was sleeping. I basically woke her up and told her everything. And from that moment on, it's like, uh, it, it, it kind of sucks. Right. Cause I dumped a lot of stuff on Jill and she held it down for me, but I had to get it off somehow, you know? So I had to start being honest and that's, that's when it started.
0: Yeah. And I remember that night. I do remember it. I remember it feeling like the twilight zone. I remember like, maybe it's because I was kind of half asleep, but I was totally like, is this my life right now? And so I think a lot of people, when you said honesty is compassion, kindness, you know, I, I think there's a huge element to honesty that is empathy, like on, like understanding how this is going to be received by someone else and just, and not changing what you're saying to make it sound okay to the other person, but just understand that how this might come off to them and being able to use qualifications to make them still feel okay. And to your point, I think in my experience, people have been 95% of the time so grateful that I've told the truth because I've told it in a way that's a service versus being like this kind of bomb dropping honesty, like see if you can handle me, like that's not really what it's about. It's not about you, it's about being of service to provide the information to another party. And I know looking back, I wish I had had all the information so I could have made my choice. I felt like my choice was stolen from me. I feel like I think yours, you know, I don't feel like that anymore. But I think in retrospect, I wish I had had an opportunity to make a choice for myself earlier if I had known what was going on. And so I think honesty I is that, a service. I
1: wish that for you, by the way. It right. pains me that you, someone I call my best friend, I did not give the opportunity. That That's the thing, you know, I think that is so devastating about this stuff but it's also and here's, and here's where I, I would say next like the turnaround here is kind of amazing because life happens and then you get to happen back and what you're listening to here regardless you know of what you think of me or jill or this those of you who are listening at least hopefully you can understand this truth that jill and i have chosen to take i mean and trust me we can sit here and have this conversation now and you know like i you know i got You know, start to get choked up a little, but largely get through this without the emotions of pain and hurt and regret and remorse and shame and all that. And just be in a place of actually I'm more prideful now and more more in pride and feel more like coming from a place of of power because I decided to take the pain and do something with it, to use it, to have it illuminate where I need to go in my life instead of stuff it, you know, so. It's a very stoic philosophy. They say the obstacle is the way. I say the pain is the path or suffering is your source. It can be if you allow it. And that's the thing that, you know, it's really interesting. These things can be devastating. And, and I certainly have done a lot of this work, um, you know, with individuals. A lot of people don't know this, but I actually did. But even before I met Jill, I did couples counseling, extra shifts in couples counseling, did a lot of coaching certs and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of steeped in relationships. That's two lessons in that one. Here's a guy who knows a lot about relationships and still got it wrong and didn't manage his emotional resources correctly. And then, two, the second lesson in this is that in the pain and in the disconnect and in the suffering, you have it's simply a choice to make meaning out of it, to make it something beneficial and powerful rather than stuffing it away. I've seen people in, uh, you know, sort of my coaching practices just be ruined. We've all seen it. I mean, even you don't need to be a coach to know everyone knows people go through divorces or they lose a job or they lose someone to death or whatever, and they are shells of themselves as a result of it. Meanwhile, here Jill and I went through what would arguably arguably be two of the hardest things people can go through. And I would say, you know, and I think you would probably say too, Jill, I mean, I, I don't know, but I would say not only are we better for it, we are much better better for it. I am much better person. I can love deeper. I'm more open. I am less protected. I'm a better communicator. I love more deeply. I am more equipped now than ever to have a relationship, a meaningful relationship where I would be 100% honest and be able to hold it down. I couldn't have done that without this.
0: I love that and what you said in that last part about, you know, just feeling grateful for the even in you know using the pain as the path and, and using it to be tran to you know have a transformation of some kind is what the best life is like that's what we define the best life as being able to even in the moments where you're going through something as devastating and i don't want to belittle other people's pain and, and things like that because i know people go through a lot of other things that are just as if not more tragic than what we're talking about but I still think that at least for me, it was one of my biggest nightmares come true, you know? So to go through that, come out on the other side, come out stronger and literally choose that perspective, choose the perspective of, I get to grow from this, you know, wanting to still have you in my life, wanting to move forward. I know that not everyone listening totally gets it and I'm totally fine with that. But I also think that that's what The Best Life is about. It's about making the choice that even when things are, quote, uh, wrong or painful or uncomfortable, uncertain, that you choose gratitude or you choose to see it as an education versus something that is going to define you and it's going to be devastating and you're never going to be. I know people have been divorced for 20 years and still their identity is wrapped up in what the other person did that resulted in a divorce. And I think that that's a tragedy. And I think we have a really unique opportunity to move forward, which is why I wanted to get you on because I feel like this could be a, a huge service for people, not that they need to do what we've done, but I do think that providing an example of how to continue to have a conversation, even when it's messy, even when it's uncomfortable as fuck, even when, and you and I can both attest to it. Like we did not know how to communicate as a couple, you know, for a long time, we thought we were communicating, but when it came down to this stuff, the very like heavy stuff, You know, like I'd leave, I'd come back, you'd leave, you'd come back. And we always kept coming back to the conversation. And I'm grateful to have someone who did that with me because I wanted answers too. And you know that, and you were able to, you were willing to provide those to the best of your ability in the moments that I needed them. We were tripping over ourselves trying to communicate. And I'm grateful for that because it made me such a better communicator. So moving forward, last question, how are you approaching romantic relationships now? Like you said, you and I are both dating. So how are you approaching things now?
1: Well, I'm, I'm very clear on who I am and what I want. And, and here's what I say. Uh, I'm very clear on this. Like to me, and, and this kind of will segue into this, but to the last point, to me, uh, you know, people, any of you who are dealing with pain, whether you're on my side of things or Jill's side of things, or whether it's not even related to romantic stuff, it's maybe related to work or career or sadness over loss. To me, there's three imperatives in life there's learn there's teach and there's love and to me when you once you get the lessons to get over the pain you teach those lessons which is essentially what you know Jill and I are currently doing and the love piece is just essentially share it in in sort of big ways and so when i now segue into you know dating other people i'm sort of in a position where i'm just very clear on who I am and and what I want, for example, right now, Jill knows this is a girl that I like, you know, who is you know she wants kids, she wants marriage, she's much younger than me, and I'm just very honest with the fact that like it's not what I want, you know what I mean, I dig you, you know, there's no one else I want to be with, you know, um, but that's just not what I want, and just being so that's that's you know losing someone you really like because I am one hundred percent in my honor code and being honest, and that's now. How I show up and I use that by the way to vet people so I pretty much go like you know it's two things I was having a conversation with you know a girl the other day where I was like there's something going on here that might be romantic you know from her from her part and I wanted to kind of just call attention to it whereas before I may have showed up and just been like yeah let me just like not say anything or you know, um, just see where it goes. And now I'm just like, hey, you know, I, I have something that I want to talk about. It might be a little uncomfortable at first and just come out and say, like, what are you thinking here? Is this a, is this a romantic thing, you know, that's going on here or is this a friendship or what? And, you know, it takes people back at first. But what happens for me is I it's I use it as a vetting process because I'm like, one, if she can't have the conversation, then I'm actually not interested. Like, if she's not up for the communication and the honesty or even self-aware enough, you know, so she's not mm-hmm. doesn't have the ability to be honest, to be self-aware enough. I'm just like, you're not there yet from my perspective for me to have that uh, relationship with you. So, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it's tough because I show up in a, in a way where I just tell, and I'm very clear on this, that uh, Jill will always have, she, if I pass away, if I die, which Jill knows I'm, I'm always been <laughs> right? But if, Like, and this is my whole thing. I go, I want Jill to know there is nothing that Jade did not tell me. I know, I know that dude so well that I know everything. She'll never have to wonder what he thought or this and that. And by the way, I'm now that way with everybody. I want everyone who interacts with me to be like, I know that dude would never say anything to my face behind my back that he would not say to my face. I know that dude is loyal. I know I know everything he thought of me, good and bad. And that's how I handle my romantic relationships now. That's how I handle all my relationships now. And and here's the final thing I'll say on that. What it does is pretty freaking amazing because all of a sudden, all new people who come into my life, they either get that and can handle it and are sort of on that level with me or they're not. And I'm very happy with that outcome. I'm like, good, you know, uh, it doesn't matter because ultimately in the end, you know, I don't care. I'm not looking for, you know, a pretty face and, you know, a nice body and that kind of thing. I'm looking for someone who wants to learn, teach and love right along with me. And to me, if you're not up for that, then why do I want to spend my time doing that? You know, I want to, I'm here to grow and get better. I'm not here to, you know, play games and play Kate and not be honest and not learn and not say the things that need to be
0: said. That's interesting. That's exactly how I am too. And as I'm listening to you explain that I'm agreeing with everything. And I think maybe people listening might be like, okay, well, and I know what my answer to this would be, what, what about compromise, right? Like, so you're like, here's who I am. Here's what I stand for. Here's, you know, here's everything. I don't want kids, blah, 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 right? What do you say to people like, isn't relationships about compromise?
1: There's no question about that. And this is where, when you, this is why you can't just come up and be like, I want to be honest and I want to be, tell the truth you have to understand what that means. The truth is subjective. You do not know the truth. All you know is your truth and in compromise, the truth reveals itself. And so from my perspective, that's why it's not you complete me. Cause that's basically saying, I know the truth. I have a big piece of the truth and you have a big piece of the truth. Let's get together and we'll know the whole truth. And <laughs> tr- here's the real truth. You don't know the truth. I don't know the truth, but maybe in our sort of energetic connection, we can find a truth that is more true than either of ours separately. We complete each other. You grow me and you show me. I'm sorry, we don't complete each other. We grow each other and we show each other. And so to me, that is compromise. You know, um, actually, I love this because to me, romantic relationships are the best because we all know that that's a contract like no other. I mean, they see your shit and you see theirs. They can't see theirs and you can't see yours. And so all your stuff illuminates in a romantic relationship. And a lot of times people just just push it aside so that all can be hunky-dory. I, I call Jill, I call Jill and this other woman who uh, you know I still consider one of my closest friends. She doesn't think much of me, but I, I do. But I can, I call them my worst best friends. Jill's my best best friend. Maybe the other girl's my worst best friend because t- they are amazing women and they've taught me uh, more than I ever could have learned on my own because they just pointed out all my shit. And I think, compromise is not it's the most important thing so if anyone's uh hearing me say that you don't compromise i think that's just silly here's what i would say on that your core values i'm not going to compromise on that if someone's you know mean i'm not going to be with them sorry uh if someone is stingy greedy i can't be with them i won't compromise on those core values but on everything else absolutely like there's gonna be things that times when I'm going to show up for my girl in ways that I don't want to. I don't want, I'm an introvert. I don't want to go to the, you know, this and do that and meet this. But now, whereas, uh, you know, before I might fight her on that, now I'm just like, yeah, baby, I'm gonna, you know, let's go. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna compromise in very big ways because I love you and that's what we're doing here. So yeah, you have to compromise. And if you're not ready to do that, then you might as well just go back to high school and be an adolescent.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because my, my, my take is similar when you're honest and everyone kind of like knows what the deal is and I want to know the other person's truth as well, compromise becomes easy because I don't have to, be scared of compromise anymore because i'm like so honest that if it's going down a path that i'm not cool with i can have a conversation and i feel like i'm you know what i mean i don't feel trapped because i don't feel trapped by things like placating and pleasing and those kind of things that maybe i perfectionism that i might have trapped me in a position that i didn't want to be in now if i compromise with someone it's 100 from a place of like i want to do that and it doesn't feel threatening to my and there are certain things i won't compromise on but to me compromise is a lot easier when, when you know what you stand for.
1: agree, Yeah. Cause you have yeah,
0: way more energy reserves too, to do that. So when you're like, okay, I want to go to my girlfriend's, you know, event, even though I'm not like, I don't love it, but I'm going to go. Cause I know that I have protected my energy and I know that I can say, you know what? I'm just not wanting to go. I always have that option. I don't feel like I can't say that because I've established in the relationship that that's how I communicate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think, again, I, I use the term next level human. I mean, like ultimately, you know, what, if we want to get to our next level as a person, we have to compromise and be willing to learn from other people. It's the reason why, to me, I call them the three imperatives. Learning comes first. You can't teach until you learn. And by the way, one of the big mistakes that I made early on with Jill is I wanted to, be, I wanted to teach and not learn. So you have to follow those steps. Learn, teach, and then you can share and love. Love it.
0: Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being on and answering those very uncomfortable I love, I, I questions. How
1: formal you get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I asked Hello. Jade before we got on, if he would, uh, if he would answer some uncomfortable questions and, uh, cause I don't know that you've shared a lot of that publicly. I know you've talked about the affair publicly, you know, in different capacities, but I wanted to get into the telling of the story and the details. Cause I think a lot of people want to know that stuff. So, and just, you know, and to know that they're normal too. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I mean, uh, I think it's um, being on both sides of it, being, you know, being betraying and being betrayed. Any of you who are in either of those situations or I mean, I hope (laughs) I hope to God you're not in both like I was. It's the most miserable experience. But I would just say, you know, if you're dealing with that, hopefully you can take something away from this. And of course, thanks for allowing me to, to talk, Jill, and for just being amazing as always. I
0: love you. I love you too alright you guys well if you want to follow Jade it's at Jade Tita on Instagram make sure you tag him if you're listening to this episode and you like what you hear and you share that would be amazing go to and subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a review, even if you're just like, that was the worst conversation. I feel awful. Whatever you want to tell us, we want your honest feedback. Make sure you check us out on our closed Facebook group, The Best Life Podcast. Uh, Just go ahead and search that on Facebook and join the conversation after each one of the episodes. We're getting in there and we're having a little discussion about what we talked about. There's a lot of really like-minded, awesome people in the group. So thank you guys for being on. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes and we will see you next time. Bye.